Fashion Lab Africa. Real conversations, real fashion. Salam, darlings, and thank you for joining us back on another episode of Fashion Lab Africa. And this is around a glance of just the current situation of fashion in South Africa right now. Now, this is the show that dissects the business behind fashion. My name is Lisa Gungo Regisford, your host and producer. And please, I beg, I beg, <laughs> stay with me so I can elevate your mind through this conversation. I'm joined by two really special guests who I will be introducing shortly. And before getting into deep, I want to also just find out how are you doing? How are you guys holding up? Anyway, if you have any stories, inventions, innovations, anything that you think is so important to be shared, please share with us so we can actually share it with our networks. We are on Fashion Lab Africa on Facebook and Instagram, and we are on Fashion Lab AF on Twitter. You can also email us at info at fashionlabafrica.com and just sort of share with us what you're thinking. Maybe there's some conversations that you think are quite important that we haven't really touched on. And uh, yes, we definitely want to hear from you. Now, there is no question there is no doubt that the world's impact from the COVID-19 crisis has actually affected the global economy. And I feel like this is the time to now start finding ways to actually rise above. Now, my two special guests, like I said, I'm joined by two guests. I'm joined by visual curator, commentator, showcasing and promoting a fashionable, modern urban narrative that's actually happening in Africa right now. She is the author and publisher of the essay Fashion Handbook. Allow me to introduce to the show Liane Tlahwane. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to murder the name. <laughs> but welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. You look stunning. Thank you. Yes. Thank you, Liz. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, what are, yes. now what are you wearing and who made your clothes? So, I'm wearing Mansu. Uh, this is part of her first global H&M collection. So, this is the first uh, one of the dresses from the collection. Um, and I believe that the, it was made um, globally uh, in various uh, places around uh, the world um, with H&M. But the, this is a Mansu design. The soul and the heartbeat is Africa. Yes. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> guys, I love that. Allow me guys to also introduce our other special guest on my left hand side, uh, which normally is my right sometimes. I'm glad I got it right. <laughs> she is the uh, creative director and founder of the Threads Media. She's a media or PR media strategist. She's joining us again. Uh, this is Samantha Crisanto. Welcome to the show and thank you for joining us again. Thank you so much for having me again, Liz. It's lovely to be here. <laughs> you guys are really glowing. I'm like, is this lockdown just working for people? Everyone look like like they just walked out of a Vogue shoot or, or something. <laughs> I don't know about that. Oh, but, no, uh, it's okay. Take it as a compliment. You know, staying at home, drinking water. <laughs> drinking water, really, not wine. <laughs> On occasion, okay. Guys, I'm drinking water. She's drinking. She, I'm drinking wine. She's drinking water. What are you drinking? Water. <laughs> so choose carefully <laughs> who you want to look like and what energy you want to exude. But anyway, thank you for joining us. Who are you wearing and who made your clothes? So uh, mine is more of a ready-to-wear story. I found this little piece at a market. It's actually a jumpsuit and it's uh, by a local designer I don't even know who because they didn't label their stuff properly so I think that's a lesson to designers market your brand properly and um, and then this is a, a pre-loved item and I think it was made uh, not here but it's a Woolies item pre-loved and yeah my shoes are Steve Madden who apparently is making shoes in Queens <laughs> We don't know. But yes, so that's me. <laughs> I love how you put your little thing together because I realized I could see the peekaboo. Yes, the it's a jumpsuit. Jumpsuit, yeah. but that's very stylish. And then the belt. This is part of the jumpsuit. So you are so clever. With... My gosh, what was your and name then... again? What was my What was my name? I know you're so clever. <laughs> oh my word! I'm just in style. Well, thank you for joining us, guys. Um, somebody please ask me what I'm wearing because normally I get forgotten yes right. Liz yeah. what are you wearing <laughs> and where were your clothes made well so I am wearing a beautiful two-piece Lizzo Gumbo um it's a skirt little a-line skirt for the heat uh, a little nice freely sort of sleeve uh wrap round blouse and I'm wearing some beautiful I call this my vintage DNGs I think I've had this for 10 years but they're very simple stilettos stiletto for me is such a statement piece but it's the easiest thing to drag out throw in and get out and still look fabulous and feel fabulous. And I'm just 
reminding those who are sitting at home that you know i know some people say they're just in their sweats some people even ask me they do a video call with me and they're like where are you going i'm like i'm, I'm here <laughs> so i think that fashion and style are an element or elements of what help us sort of for me it helps me find a way to sort of keep up with the day and it helps me feel like i have a sense of purpose that's just me for you who are tuning in for the first time, if you don't know, there's a couple of segments on this show. There's a wine style guide where we just touch base about everything, fashion and wine or style and wine, which go hand in hand. We've also got my favorite segment at the end of the show called Who Would You Want to Dress and Why? <laughs> so feel free to share with us your who's and your why's as we continue um, on this show. Now, I want to get back and I think I want to just start with you, Leah. And let's talk mm -hmm. a bit about your background in fashion, your transition into the essay. Uh, fashion handbook and sort of why and where you are here where you are today right now okay i am funny enough i think next year would be my 10th year if i counted uh in terms of my focus on fashion so i uh, had a i have a corporate background um so i was working in corporate and um after taking a little bit of a break because i kind of felt like i'd worked enough in corporate after a couple of years i took a little bit of a hiatus and was kind of wanting to decide what to do and because I love fashion and style and getting dressed and clothes <laughs> yeah. um, I thought you know what why not let me just basically get into fashion and try so my entry into fashion was actually going to study in New York so I went to Parsons and I completed an associate's degree in fashion marketing um, so I spent about three and a half years there with my family which was a fabulous experience and so that was my first entry into fashion and when I completed the degree, um, you know, the question was, and at the time, of course, I wanted to go and stay in the States when Barack Obama was the president. So that was another big sort of like, <laughs> so, you know, so um, at the end of it all, uh, the big question was, well, what do I do? Do we stay in the States or do we come back home? Um, and there were many factors that um, came into the final decision to come back home. But one of the things was that I was really taken with some very contemporary fashion images that I'd seen by Taibo Bakar. And this is, uh, I'm talking 2012, 2011, 2012. And I'd also seen La Duma's uh, Matosa range and he had, I think, his first collection. And I was super inspired by this very, very contemporary African fashion um, that was starting to basically make the wave. And at the time being in New York, you know, when you're overseas and in a city like New York, you get very engrossed with New York. But I had a very distinct feeling that the first wave of massive interest in African fashion was actually starting. Um, and so the question that I asked myself was, well, where would I basically have the greatest influence in terms of fashion? Um, staying in New York, which is a massive global market, a massive city, or coming back home and basically applying my expertise and my skills and my knowledge back here. So of course the decision was to move back. I had always envisioned and was aspiring to see African fashion and designers um, being written about in a very global way. And so my curiosity about who or what and where was fashion in Africa actually happening took me around the continent to the various fashion weeks. So I was very focused on the fashion weeks what was happening there, who the designers actually were. Um, and I spent the next couple of years, and really that was my first big foray into understanding the continent, understanding who designers are, understanding who's doing what. Um, and I'm now, uh, since two years back, focused on the South African market, because I think at, there was a certain point where I felt like I had done enough. My curiosity was kind of like, um, um, satisfied i guess i could use that word about the continent i had connected with many people i had written about quite a few of the leading designers for vogue italia and i'm, I'm still a contributor for, for vogue talents and vogue italia and um so i had an opportunity to focus on the south african market and it came at a time where i felt like i needed to have a little bit of a change and i had kind of like done um enough at that point of the you know the, the continent so when the fashion handbook south africa opportunity came 
the box, I basically thought, well, it's coming about at the same time that I'm kind of like feeling for a change to focus on a specific market. And I also obviously believe that South Africa is um, the biggest market and one of those markets where we can make the most impact simply because we have uh, the infrastructure, more infrastructure. And that's not taking anything away from any of the other markets, but um, I wanted to focus, and it's my home market, so I wanted to basically focus on this market. So. Um, yeah, maybe talk a little bit later about what's happening in the <laughs> wow. South African market. Wow, I think it's really cool. Now, in a recent article on IOL by Sukaina Ishmael around yes. a move to increase SA produced uh, clothing after the sector that's hit hard with the COVID-19 pandemic, a designer, Jacques Lagrange, actually highlights the fact around a forgotten manufacturing sort of generation. Um, they talk about the fact that, you know, this generation can come back and actually teach a new generation what they need to know adding to the government also who should also invest in the companies when we talk about or think about textile and manufacturing okay. all the new what are your thoughts and let's just unpack a bit around this whole generation the manufacturing generation comeback what are your thoughts on that i think it's possible especially because if we're looking at the new movement this is a um, when i talk about the new movement this is a generation from the millennials and the gen z's that are very active so just looking at it from that point of view i can believe and envision a future where manufacturing can come back in various countries um, and i think local manufacturing will get a massive boost purely because i think the people who for example if we're talking specifically about fashion um, there are a number of factors that are going to basically influence that, not only just the generation who are very active, they get things done, but also because I think fashion is definitely <coughs> being steered towards a more sustainable and slower movement, which, by the way, is not something that is um, unusual for Africa. It's just that now, I think, there's more of a spotlight and a highlight on it, particularly from a Northern Hemisphere point of view. But I think because of that, and because we're moving towards a much slower movement, there could possibly well be, you know, a, a growing local manufacturing movement. What are your thoughts on this, um, Well, I mean, that's just so exciting to me. That's just something that I think, um, it's something we've been needing for a very long time. And had COVID not hit at that time, with the people that were in fashion at that time, I don't know if it actually would have been on the agenda. So I think that's a really great takeaway. And there's definitely a lot of manufacturers in South Africa that could revive themselves. I mean, my my grand worked in a factory when she moved here into South Africa. Um, my aunt also in clothing design, and she's she you know teaches and 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 does, you know she's also in that field. My grandmother was a milliner, so I think it's so good to hear about. Um, learning from the older generations and then using that amongst the doers of yeah. the future to revive something that you know was once was and, and can boost the future generations and I think you know the other thing about sustainable <coughs> fashion is that I think there's a massive focus within that in craft yes so um, that naturally will be looking at the you know people with more skills handcrafting um, which will basically boost manufacturing from a certain level as well do you guys not also think that to some extent or to a big extent because covid the 19 covid 19 pandemic crisis and we know we do not like it it's a love-hate relationship but don't you also agree that it has also sensitized us i mean during this time of lockdown during this time of crisis it's really put us in a position of introspection of thinking and we have to accept that fashion is the second most polluting industry in the world. It's a beautiful, glamorous um, industry, but it's just so dirty as well. Mm -hmm. And I feel that what's happening right now is as much as there's that sensitivity around moving towards a more sustainable direction, I feel like it's the COVID-19 crisis that has also done that. Because there's people, that, I feel like people are also doing, it's almost like reactive. It's you're stuck. You've been used to getting all of your stuff from Italy, well, from China, from wherever it is. You have been dependent fully on that chain. Mm -hmm. And now it's 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 time to really just, you actually don't have a choice. So there is the sensibility around, yes, we could do better for the industry here. But there's also just, what's that option? Some, I mean, we're stuck. 
So we might as well focus on love. Yeah, I mean, exactly. But the other thing is that I think behind that, and I've you know thought about it quite a bit. COVID has been a catalyst, and there are a number of other things like the climate change, all catalysts. I think there's a growing consciousness that's really the driving force behind our more local, slower, more sustainable. Um, you know, how can we do things a little bit more in a balanced way? Yes. You know, and just really um, looking at the fact that we just have been overconsuming. Absolutely, and I wouldn't even blame it on ourselves. That's what that's what we've been primed to do for the last twenty years. You know, since we've had this influx of fashion and fast fashion, it's been, you know, you you kind of look at these stores and, and brick and mortar, and it's it's there, it's ripe, it's still happening. But I, I think there is a growing consciousness, and people are starting to change. And um, I think once they can start to see the benefits behind it, I think that's what local designers do really well: is talk about the intrinsics, the, the the actual work, the craft, everything that goes into it. Because what's also growing is, as humans, we want a story. We want a story to our fashion, and we want to know where it's made and how it's come to life. And that is starting to merge, and hopefully that's the direction we start to go in as consumers as well. Mm -hmm. Well, I hope the consumers can also feel empowered and inspired and motivated because there was a time where it felt like you had to force local consumers in this continent to mm -hmm. to buy local and it felt like mm -hmm. why should we buy local and there's this whole stereotype about local but local is not a bad thing so i think educating the consumer uh is one of the responsibilities for us as designers or just the whole fashion industry or the whole fashion community to be able to get them to understand they're not getting shortchanged they're actually getting more value Absolutely. by you know uh, paying attention or putting their money in mm -hmm. the local industry i want to touch on just this whole thing around south african retailers which i've noticed i've lived here for nine years and i feel south african retailers have actually been quite reliant on export versus imports on import so there's the export and the import thing but then there's also when you look at the ratio of what if you decide to just walk in a mall like mm -hmm. Santon city how much of that percentage wise would you say is local and how much would you say so what i want to yeah. touch on yeah. quickly mm -hmm. is because obviously there's a, it's a it seems like getting the or relying on the outside uh, chains is one of their biggest strategies has been i mean i'm sure and i hope things are going to change we all would know that it's almost unsustainable for the local fashion industry to actually survive, live alone, thrive, uh, you know, as this continues. So with all these years of relying on Chinese imports, large South African retailers are actually starting to source and manufacture more locally. And even though my hashtag, my personal hashtag is what took you so long, I want to know from you guys. <laughs> I love that. What are your thoughts? Let's start with you, Leanne, around this whole notion of just look at the retail industry in its entirety, even just in this country. Where is the local fashion element in it? Well, I, I don't know if you, if I can hop in, but I think we've got to shift it to the designers because I think there's a huge gap for Preta Porta, for ready-to-wear stuff. That that's where fast fashion is. People want things that they can just go in. They can have massive amounts or at least a stocked, uh, stocked rails to browse and try on and engage with product. That I don't think is going to go away. Although e-commerce is growing, I don't think that's going to go away. We still like to have an experience with product. So from, from designers, I personally would love to see more ready-to-wear stuff that's starting to fill that fast fashion gap because it's sometimes difficult to tell consumers and I do believe in local, but to change their whole consumer behavior is probably a very difficult road um, and it will take many years. Whereas if we're meeting them with something that is more sustainable, more local, um, that might help. And I think the, the local retailers that are doing that and starting to move in that direction are, are there. That's where we need to be going in, in, in looking inwards. Um, but that's my opinion. <laughs> I was, was going to say personally, I'm coming to Julian, but personally yes. I am not a fast fashion fan yes i feel like fast fashion has actually when we look at the detail around uh, our environment and what fast fashion has actually What's done, done to yes. propel that it is to me a really negative thing another second thing is and this is just my personal is i want to wear stuff we all love style look at us and we all have i bet you we could stand around a thousand people right now and not see anyone wearing what we are wearing no we're wearing it mm. so it means there's a very unique sense of style which is a personal individual thing but then there's also that whole 
um, ability to be able to wear local, but then to be able to choose something that you feel is very rare. So mm -hmm. if it's gonna be uh, at H&M, I don't want it. This is no disrespect because I can't, I don't want to who stole my look situation all day long, I can't do it. <laughs> so my whole thing is the pride of style as I evolve as a styleaholic is that I want to, as my, I even look at my wardrobe and I appreciate it. So I'm now buying less, I'm buying more quality and I'm buying, if it's obviously I buy, I wear a lot of me, but I also shop, I'm a girl, but I am also finding that I'm actually gravitating towards quality and 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 something that could i don't need 10 i don't need 10 of these mm -hmm. but if i have maybe a plain or different maybe two options that's that's fine so i feel like fast fashion for me also brings in i don't know i feel like it evokes in the consumer a need to think to, to want to, to keep dying yes. what are you and maybe i maybe i came <laughs> across in the wrong way okay. i think it's more ready to wear basic styles everyday fashion that people are going to okay. need in their wardrobe, okay. the basic t-shirts, the basic track pants and sweatpants. Because realistically, a big portion of South Africans wear those things. You know, that's that's not everybody is is as stylish as yourself. And and th there's there's a big chunk of the market when I think designers can actually help fulfill that need. But don't you think they than, are doing it already? Aren't, I mean, like, no, I don't. I feel like there's there's a few brands, but it's not. It's not where it needs to be. There's still much to to support because there's so many people that are still shopping fast fashion. There's so many of South Africans that are still mm. going to those shops. And well, I think it's a factor of if we go back to your first question, there's a structural um, setup in South Africa that uh, has just a couple of brands, retail brands that are very very strong. So South Africans, I think, are used to consuming retail from just a very small sort of <laughs> monopoly, yeah. they've monopolized the market yeah. almost in a way. It's yeah. like a, uh, just a couple of brands and that's, that's where you basically can buy. So we have to bear that in mind because that's historical. And then we have a very embryonic local fashion industry that is very fragmented, it's very small and doesn't have a lot of support. And because of the structural issues as well, the local industry really is just developing at its own pace and it's developing at different paces. So that's why you'll find that a lot of the local designers, when you're wanting, you know, things like, you know, everybody wants to be able to get like a really to wear collection at least a summer and a, and a winter um, from a local designer. But in all honesty, there's, when you look at the value chain um, and the kind of support that a local designer basically has and where they basically come from, the industry just isn't set up like that and yeah. there's just not enough support for them. And then of course you've got the consumer and they're coming back to what you were saying Liz in terms of how you like to dress and you like to buy quality and that's a value system. So, so many people have got different values when it comes to clothes yes. and I think the younger generation has been brought up on a diet of fast fashion <laughs> and, and McDonald's. Couple, couple that with Instagram and yes. you know, the digital era and being able to be seen in a fresh um, outfit every single day. I mean t-shirts from basics from H&M do not last that's one of the things I remember <laughs> I mean you could from I can you know growing up if yes. I had bought a t-shirt before even from you know the retailers it was it could kind of last mm. but these days your t-shirts your basics and it's gone it's like it's yeah so I think you know there there there's so many like influences that are basically happening but I think we're in a, such a transitional stage yeah. right now that um, we'll have to kind of see where we end up. But I think definitely the consciousness, the younger generation, the value systems are all beginning to kind of change. And we just have to keep pushing you know, narratives around, um, we can't buy as much. I think focusing on quality is a really good idea. And it's also sustainable. For those of you who are thinking and who've been saying, I want to be sustainable as a consumer, but I don't know how, this is something to actually look at and think about is that you, the less you buy, the more you contribute towards the direction that the clean fashion industry needs to be the fashion industry needs to be moving towards mm -hmm. to getting cleaner yeah so and, it, and, and how you can help us don't worry about wearing the same thing i worry yeah. about that so i'm not gonna get into that because <laughs> then it's like how many clothes does she have but I have quality. I know not that I can wear. Week, but like, it's six months. You can wear it again. Okay, six months. Okay, fine. We'll keep it at six months. Now, 
guys, every time I step into a retail area yeah. lately, and I, like I said, I don't really go out. I'm still on level five in my own capacity. Mm-hmm. But the few times I've, obviously when I go walking, I go to Forth, which is quite a popular street. And Forth used to be that vibrant, buzzing restaurants, shop, little boutiques, little, and now you've got, I think maybe two, three boutiques left shops when it comes to fashion mm-hmm. um, offering. And every time I walk into a space, whether it's the mall or a shopping area, at least there's a three or four or five more stores closed. Yeah. What are your thoughts? Do you see or do you feel that there would be a comeback for these local brands in the midst of this crisis? And so how do you see this unfolding? Because we're now in the end of 2020. Well, 2020 feels like five years, but we are going towards the end of 2020 <laughs> yeah. so far. And 2020, you know, when you were speaking here right now, when we're sitting here, we're speaking about holiday and where we're going holidaying. And I'm like, I don't even, I didn't even think about holiday until they (laughs) mentioned holiday because I I can't believe the year. I I am trying to start the year. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm still still got my partner saying 2020, here we come. (laughs) (laughs) I beg, what (laughs) in? What do you see? What do you see a comeback? I mean, do you see maybe things changing in the next few months? What do you guys, how are you feeling about? I think there's, there's been death and there will be death and there will be revival. There will be destruction. And I think that's probably, that's necessary. And uh, out of that, out of the ashes, we will have to rise. What we will look like, I think we will only know when we're actually get there or possibly when we have a moment to reflect, to say, okay, this is how we've done it. This is what we've become. But um, we cannot keep doing what we were doing. Mm-hmm. So um, the change is, is here. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it will be a comeback of, well, we just will do it again the same way that we know. There are going to be major adjustments and everything will be new. I would love to see that. I think that's that is so exciting for me because that means transition, that means change, that means new, um, and it means we don't have to keep on doing the same things that we were doing and making the same mistakes. And I'd personally love to be a part of that change and a part of that support structure that we can offer designers and get them into a space where um, they're noticed internationally and they're supporting their their people first. They're supporting South Africa and Africa. And um, because we do have so much talent that is just not getting to the surface. I think one of the big things is going to be the focus within, Mm. the focus on the person sitting next to you. Mm. And I think a lot of the young designers really do have these very different value systems where they do want to pay fairly, they do want to use the skills at home, they do want to build um, and use their creativity. Um, And also they have massive aspirations because the world has also just opened up as well. Mm. The world is not Mm. what it used to be. And so we feel a part of the global world when something is happening in Nigeria, when something is happening in New York, we basically all feel a part of it. So I think this is the kind of newness and new world that we're basically going towards. Um, so I think we're not really out of the woods yet. I think we're still going to see a fair amount of wobbling uh, and, and transitioning mm-hmm. and people falling off. But at the same time, we're going to see some big strides yeah. yeah and good stories coming out yeah guys i think what we have to do also is focusing on homegrown homegrown this we have, we can have me the three of us can go on <laughs> so let's let me try and hone this in so we can focus and finish here but i think the biggest thing or one of the big words that i want you to leave with as you continue to watch uh, or listen to this podcast or watch this podcast is that homegrown is such a big word and i feel sometimes when i look on the social media especially on instagram people are like support local they've got all these placards and all these badges but then really are you really supporting local and what does that actually mean i have said to myself for the next two three months i'm buying i'm using on my body now i'm using my friend's shea butter mm-hmm. uh, it's called maca skincare get two and i will buy it and i know that even if it's a bit high i know that i'm actually doing something to help the person that's near me and it's not just help. The word help, support, I know we need to just sit down and just sort of reconfigure these things in our minds. Because my whole thing is, how do we sit and we say we are struggling, it's COVID-19 and stuff, but yet there's still stuff that we have to consume on a day-to-day basis. I may not need a red dress right now, but I need body cream. I need wine. Ever Beauty is another brand that we are great, grateful for as well. She's a contributor um, on the show for Blamish. But it's also a great one. So to buy a fragrance, if it's not a completely out of my pocket, I can buy one of her fragrances. Why not? 
So I think that you guys have to think about the fact that it's not supporting. If you need something, if you need water, you don't go to the pick and pay of Woolworths and say, I've come to support you because I need water. You need the water anyway, so you're going to have to buy it. There's no conversation around how much you have, how much you can put in. So guys, be a bit more mindful, especially when it comes to your consumption choices, because if you're buying it, it means you can afford it and it means that you need it. And it means you can look into your network and say, before I go into Woolworths or before I go wherever, who can I buy it from within my network? That is empowering your community, guys. Come on. I beg. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> One I have to. I have to. I have to. Yeah, we all have to. I mean, even when you're talking about beauty, we have to. I mean, I'm starting seriously. I mean, I'm looking at beauty brands, and I'm seeing actually a lot of local beauty brands popping up. Yes. Um, and uh, in the last, I would say maybe eighteen months to two years, a lot of beauty brands, local beauty brands, um, and this is not just South Africa. I've seen it popping up across the continent. And you know what? We have the raw ingredients. Why would we be making um, the best, you know, products that again the word comes up sustainable and organic, mm -hmm. and not harming the environment? Mm -hmm. And I'm really looking to see now, like, who are the beauty brands out there? And I need some stuff from, from you know, some cream for my face and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Um, let's look out there and see what, what we have yeah, because I know. the import costs now of the international brands is, uh, you know, yes. also. And I, mean, like, I think it also draws to that convenience, like what what's a fashion handbook South Africa has done brilliantly is the designer directory. And so every designer is listed on there because I think it needs to be a place because I was like, okay, I've, I've lost my pair of sunglasses. I need to now, because what I have is what I have. I've, I've cleaned out, I, I use a lot of vintage. That's just how I am. So I don't have a lot, but I want to do sustainable and local going forward. But I'm looking for sunglasses and I'm looking and I'm looking and I can't find anything. And those brands need to be more visible to someone when they're looking to shop because what is that person going to do? They're going to end up going out to the shop and buying something and falling into those same uh, you know, patterns that they have before. So I think it's about presenting designers and making local fashion and as beauty as visible and accessible True. and ready to, to shop. You know? Well, as you mentioned, Sam, I mean, now as going on from your point is, I mean, empower your community, um, you know, I think one of the things, how, how do you then do that? That's a great message. And then when people want to do that, what we found is that there's a gap. People don't really know then what to do. Because again, when you're dealing with a very embryonic and very, you know, small industry, the designers are there, but they, nobody really knows about them. They don't have marketing budgets, they don't have sales budgets, they don't have big PR budgets. So we realize that there's a huge gap between the consumers mm -hmm. knowing who these designers are. So one of the things the Fashion Handbook South Africa's designer directory, one of the reasons that we've actually put it together is exactly for that reason, to try and close the gap so that when people do eventually get to that point, because I do think that, you know, that mindfulness point is a point that you reach in your mind, you make a decision, you're very conscious about that decision, that you want to support and empower people that are close to you or next to you or in the same country um, as you, or, you know, in the same continent as you, and push your own community once you make that decision then it's like well where do i find them mm -hmm. so the fashion handbook has started with listing and getting signups of fashion brands so if you want to know um which local brands basically support then we've got a page dedicated and we've got um a nice substantial group of, of brands out there that people can actually look at is it fashion purely or also lifestyle as well um mainly fashion okay. at this point Thank you, Lian and uh, Samantha, for coming through. I think what you're doing with the SA Fashion Handbook is really important and was obviously one of the things I wanted to sort of touch on just to understand what role you're mm. fulfilling within the fashion industry through the handbook. And for years, the handbook has the handbook has been in existence for years, obviously, but you only... Um, I mean, you own it two years. Two, two years. years. So yeah. Two years. Congratulations on Thank that. Thank you. All right, guys, it is now that time to roll over to the Glamish segment, which is one long-awaited segment. Mm. It's Glam-ish. 
This is the beauty segment on Fashion Lab Africa, and it's brought to you by our glamish contributor, Teresa Suli, who's joining us once again. Welcome to the show. You look like Sunshine just arrived. Oh, thank you so much. It is summer, so I have to make sure that I've got my fabulous blossoms going on here. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us. Who are you wearing and who made your clothes today? Um, it's a South African designer, a young lady by the name of Ami, A-A-M-I. So is it like a two-piece? What is it? So it's a quite interesting piece. Um, this one over here, it's actually, I can show a bit of lace here. I'm going to do it. <laughs> it shows, um, it's actually a tie around, like around. You can wear it as a dress and it's a two-piece. But you can actually wear the bottom as a dress. So it's quite an interesting cut. I love it. You look like sunshine. I'm not playing. Welcome <laughs> for joining us, um, Teresa. Now today on Glamish, Teresa would like us to just unpack a little bit about the current situation when we mm. think about the South African beauty industry. Um, and I'm thinking about it more from a virtual perspective. Or what is it that incited or what it is that provoked that whole virtual um, beauty masterclass that you guys ran a while ago with Rhino? I think what's important is to be a conscious entrepreneur. You know, a lot of the times we want to do business, we want to make money, but we also need to think about what is safe and healthy for our consumers. We can't just, you know, focus on, you know, bringing the bucks. We actually have to think of long term, are we benefiting them? So, yes, um, with the current situation, but for us, we actually looked at what resources do we have access to? And we have access to the World Wide Web, we have access to Zoom, we have access to um, the digital, the digital space. And um, yes, it's something very scary, something very new, but somebody needs to take the leap of faith and also just be a conscious entrepreneur and make sure that our clients are safe, we're safe, and that they can get the same experience that they would get or even better in the comfort of their own homes. Let's talk about your observations so far from a consumption perspective or from a consumer, beauty consumer perspective. What have you observed so far? I think like we were talking earlier on, um, people are more actually open to going to the virtual space to actually consume beauty products. Um, they are more cautious in terms of their spending and they are looking for alternatives to what they used to because of the uncertainty. So definitely pricing is a factor that we definitely need to look at to accommodate the diverse needs and financial situations of our consumers at the moment. But also at the same time, offering them that same service, that one-on-one -on -one experience through a virtual experience, through WhatsApp, through email, through um, a virtual telephonic conversation so that they can feel that they are looked after in the virtual space. I was going to say, I actually thought it would be a struggle because again, like we said, and we've spoken about this over and over again, because of the feel and touch of the beauty industry, I didn't think, I thought there would be some sort of resistance, but then you realize that this consumer has to get her lipstick, has to get her blush, has to get her lashes, Absolutely, and we need it. It's a necessity and I'm so, so glad so they actually made it. <laughs> they made it a priority. Now that the stores are open, um, people are not allowed to trial products. They don't do that makeover for you because well, they also. Mm, if you actually go into the beauty stores, they don't do that anymore. So you don't so get your samples. You just buy. Or, or you, or you, or you, or you look. When you, look <laughs> you just look with your eyes. <laughs> and so, with our customers who actually do reach out to us, we offer them the service via the virtual um, platforms, whether it's WhatsApp or email, or we, we ask for pictures, we send them that, we've had that conversation. But more so, those who haven't tried alternative products, we actually give them miniature samples of the product so that they actually can feel and know that it hasn't been tampered with, it hasn't been touched by other No one people. has used it, no one has tried it on. Absolutely. So then again, if you look at the business, if the business is not bringing income and you're not spending, okay. how do you expect? You can't expect to grow a flower without planting the seed. Okay. So you need to start from somewhere and just make that real investment, make that difference and people will absolutely see it and they will literally feel that you are concerned and you care about them and their well-being and their beauty. Cool. Let's talk about what you actually foresee around the beauty industry for whatever it is we have left in this 2021. I think consumers are starting to look at brands in a different perspective. Looking at the beauty brands, you see, does this beauty brand really care about my well-being, care about the people around us, care about just my financial pocket? What kind of brand? Is the brand really for me? And the biggest my brand, a small brand like myself, an opportunity to, to actually rise and shine because we do actually care and it makes such a big difference. And I also realize, and I think I'm sure you guys would also say you, you realize the same and you feel the same, is that we, through this 
lockdown and through the COVID-19 pandemic crisis, we've become so much more sensitized and much more conscious because we are actually really digging deep into ourselves. <laughs> we are introspecting whether you like it or not. I was saying I normally put things in the parking lot and travel away, mm. my problems away. And now I'm like, I wake up and they're right there in front of me every day. And you got to deal with these things. And what happens is also there's a sense of consciousness that has really been evoked because of our mindfulness, because of our introspection, because you now see things, you think, you I'm more humble and this time to actually think. think. So, yes. So, I think for me, one of the things I've definitely realized is a lot of consumers care about the brand ethos, care about the Absolutely. brand, what the brand stands for, and like you said, what the brand's interest is in being able to elevate their sense of being in whichever offering the brand actually offers. So, I think this has really been cool. But I thank you, uh, Teresa, for joining us on this. Uh, it's an absolute pleasure. And um, I hope for those of you who are sitting at home that you can get a tip or two or just sort of plug into the conversations. We're on Passion Lab AF on Twitter, we're on Passion Lab Africa on Facebook and Instagram, and we definitely want to hear from you. Now, let's roll over to the Wine Style Guide. It's time for your Wine Style Guide. Brought to you by Liz Ogumba Wines. We're going to start with you, Samantha. What is your wine style guide to do? Local, we've got wine. We've got so much wine, guys. <laughs> one thing we're not short of, on. So probably just to try uh, all the different South African wines or, um, you know, and, and what we have locally and, and in Africa and use that and enjoy that before you move on to another brand. You know? <laughs> Try everything, enjoy it, and take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Liam. What's your wine style? Right, for what? summer, I'd recommend Bubbly's and Rosé. Yes. <laughs> that sounds really good. Be. And we've got some great South African, um, and actually, if you can combine it, if you have Rosé Bubbly, <laughs> sounds very good. <laughs> yes, that would be my wine style guide for the summer. Wow. Yes. What is your wine style guide to do to Lisa? It's the frisky zebra, South African wine. <laughs> oh, wow. What is that? So it's a seductive Shiraz. <laughs> <laughs> Super sexy. Something, you know, you can explore your palate during the summertime. Could that be the wine that you brought in? And, um, yeah, I'm dying to try that. It looks <laughs> exciting. I think today my wine style guide is very interesting. Please do not drink two bottles of wine every night from Monday through Monday. It will hit you really hard. Guys, wine is there to be enjoyed, <laughs> not to be abused. So please believe me when I say it's crazy how you start. And for people like me who work late, Teresa, I start mm. and then I just start and then I start wondering who took the wine, but it's <laughs> you took <No>. it. <laughs> So guys, wine is there to be enjoyed and it is such a beautiful experience when you actually get to enjoy it mm -hmm. in moderation because the minute you hit a certain level, it's over. hell breaks me. It's, <laughs> it's so over. bad. Yeah. So guys, be careful with your wines and whatever you want, drink responsibly. Well, that's just taken over and the question becomes, do you want to go stemless or do you want to stick with the stem? stem. Good stem? question. Stemless? Stem? I'm kind of leaning towards the stemless. I'm, I'm a bit snobby. And you're trying I've to pour one glass, guys. Um, and that I'm is my go to. I'm and leaning towards the stem. Less. Stem? Stem! Guys, this is the wine style guide that you can decide how you want to do or what you want to do with this glass. This is so hilarious. This conversation is coming up, guys. But that is your wine style guide. Now we are moving on to our last segment. Who would you want to dress? <laughs> We're going to start with you, Liam. Who would you want to dress and why? Dead or alive. Dead or alive. As a muse or as a bad dresser. So, <laughs> I think top of mind, the person that I would have loved to dress was Princess Diana. <gasps> yeah. That's who I would have loved to Love to dress her. Definitely. She has an untouchable je ne sais quoi quality energy about the way in which she wore clothes. I mean, yes, agreed. one off the shoulder, you know, one shoulder dresses 
um, when she wore them back, what, 90s maybe? I actually didn't really like them. Me too, I don't like them. But she, was ahead she of the looked amazing in them and was unafraid. I think she was so unique and so unafraid to basically try different types of styles and she mixed it up. And I think that she just, she never, I don't think she made um, one fashion profile. I don't think so. I have never seen her in anything public that looks incredibly wrong. But I think the key takeout there is that she knew, or her stylists knew, what worked for her body type. And she just went with that. Because what I'm learning now is that you've got to understand what works for your body, what works for your face, and what works for your personality. And, Listen, and run with that. Well, well, I was going to say, eye. so yes. now you're telling us, you tell them. Because if you see what they be wearing out there, they're the ones who be doing Because they mean, just, just want to wear... People just want to wear anything, so, but it's about setting. Guys, you know what? This is a fun thing. We don't want to get too serious because we're supposed to be a glass of wine <laughs> at the end of this. But seriously, some of you guys, you should listen to how you tell them because it's not us. Yes, I mean, and this is something mm -hmm. I'm learning for myself as well. <laughs> Doing a declutter, de closet declutter. <laughs> I'm laughing. Just how what you want to wear. You, you, know what it is. you know what it is? It's understanding the power of fashion. Yes, that's what it comes down to. I think it's basically understood how to use fashion. Really, I mean, I thought about what I was wearing today to come to you. I didn't just I take this. I find the... Melania Trump very like. I find her sense of style unbelievably mind-boggling. Like I look at her and I'm like, I'll pretend I don't know your husband, but then I, I love what you. <laughs> no, seriously, like I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to look at her. Well. She to me, she's she such an epitome well. of chic. Also, and very yes. effortlessly. She wears clothes very well. But you see, well. it's very how well. she, does. she does. It's how you're portrayed in the public eye. They're very aware of media and the power of that and how to harness that. How your clothes make other people feel. And there's a huge psychology behind fashion that people don't necessarily read into. Um, but if you do Let's read into who it, would you want to dress? Who would you want to dress today? <laughs> no, I'm terrible with this question. No, I'm, well, I'm everyone, no one's exempt to it. So maybe Pharrell Williams. <laughs> Because he's got, you know, he's had some sort of impact or imprints on, on South Africa and Africa and he's, you know, he's got that sort of ingrained. So, yeah, maybe him and it would be lovely to meet him and pick his brain. Who would you want to dress to be and why? So, I would love to dress my husband at the moment because he's been working from home since lockdown. <laughs> and uh, most of the times he's in his pajamas. <laughs> um, he's going to kill me for saying this, but this morning he decided to pop in a shirt, a college shirt on top, but underneath he was wearing his shorts with his slops. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. He's like, no, I just need to look professional for this client. I'm like, please. On the digital Zoom side. But underneath, it's still his flops and socks. And, yeah, socks and flops and his shorts. But it's too liars. <laughs> I'm so dressed up, just in you know, a proper, you know, two-piece with proper good shoes. <laughs> no, I think that's cool. I think that's really cool. Today I want to dress our new Madame VP, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, because something about her, and obviously for the temperature, the climate of what's going on with politics in the world, as we would all know, I think that for the fact that, first of all, she's the first VP <laughs> and uh, she represents the woman in, mm -hmm. in so many ways and I think that she also represents change. I think she repre represents a revolution. I think this is really history's making. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I think that because of her power, her tenacity, her sass, I think she's also elegant. I would love to dress her in just gowns for the whole week. Just different, beautiful Lisa Gumu gowns. That's what Stunning. I want to dress. Love it. <laughs> Guys, and for the rest of you, share with us who you want to dress and why. We are on the socials, as you would know, and uh, we definitely want to hear from you. But, Teresa, thank you so much for joining us on Glamish today. Any parting shot on this glam world of glam tip or anything? One thing. If you are still working from home, please. Take some time to dress up, pop in that lipstick. If you're a guy, you know, put on something nice just to feel good. And um, don't allow the lockdown to keep you in your PJs. Um, yeah, just, you know, brush that hair, you know, spray that fragrance and just be there for yourself and show up. Just for yourself. And for, for women also, can I just top up hers and a bra? <laughs> no, I'm serious. I am. <laughs> Liz, I'm not even wearing a bra right now. 
Well, you as a party. <laughs> but listen, I have seen disaster stories, and you know what happens, women, especially to you women, this is not a joke. I'm very serious. Okay. When you are walking around in your whatever you slept in or whatever it is, uh -huh. when your stuff is over here, really it needs to be strapped up, especially when you're getting into a Zoom meeting, because don't think we can't see that stuff. But what if she just wants to embrace it? It's okay. It's, no, it's okay. She's embracing no. her unique it beauty. Look, no, I know, but <laughs> something about there's a reason that bras. Who invented bras? Whoever can tell me who invented bras, I'm sending you wine. <laughs> so please do not take this the wrong way because you guys have so much time to sit down, think, and analyze, think and reflect and on then, the conversation, and then start slapping me with different quotes. Don't do that, please. I don't have energy. I do not have the capacity to deal with it, guys. It's still 2020. Wait until we get into 2021. But for now, I'm just saying, guys, when you're a woman and you're sitting in a Zoom call or whatever virtual experience, whatever you're doing, strapping up is not... I understand when you say, Teresa, we should be free. Yeah. But strapping up is... Um, it really is a part of um, being conscious and being responsible with your fashion. Yes! It's conscious nice. and responsible fashion wearer and fashion consumer. Meaning, if I'm going to be sitting here talking to three other people on the Zoom, why would I want to be in a t-shirt? My little things are ding, ding, and then you're like ding, ding, ding. I mean, guys. But those guys shouldn't be looking at it. But they, they're trying not to. But the problem is you just didn't strap up. So now they're looking. What is this? <laughs> Listen, whatever you want to do with this information is up to you, but I'm telling you, there's a reason that bras were invented. When you're getting in a Zoom call, however comfortable you are, we're not trying to take your joy and your comfort away, but I'm just saying, strapping up is just a sort of way of showing respect to the people around you. Or you can just zoom up to your beautiful face. Yes. <laughs> zoom it up and be brilliant. Right now what you guys need to realize is actually looking, oh, looking at, at every <laughs> single thing because you're not in the same room. So they can just be staring at anything and, and drooling and even putting you on freaking and zooming and they're doing things. Okay, so guys, just be cool. It's fashion lab. This is glamish. Sorry, the bra was not the conversation today, but <laughs> I hope that you guys have been able to get some interesting insights around these conversations. You know, we've just been touching base about what's happening in South Africa right now when it comes to fashion. And just looking at it and really trying to see what has happened in the past and what we could actually do differently to be the change and to also be sensitized around, you know, this industry. Like I said, it's not so glamish. It's quite dirty, but it's glamish that we want to make it clean so that it is better for all of us and better for the environment. Uh, we've been joined by Leanne and we've been joined by Samantha and uh, I think you guys have any parting shots before we leave? Bye local. Oh, hashtag bye local. Thank you very much. Any parting shots? I will, I will mirror that. Okay. Hashtag bye local. <laughs> guys, thank you so much for joining us on the show today and uh, feel free to reach out to us um, on info at fashionlabafrica.com if you have any inquiries or you feel like we could be touching on other topics or whatever it is that you want to share with us. We are also on the socials on Fashion Lab Africa at Fashion Lab Africa on Instagram and Facebook and at Fashion Lab AF on Twitter. And uh, I just want to send you guys love and light wherever you are. I hope that things are going to work out. I believe things are going to work out. I believe the best is yet to come in the midst of this adversity um so keep your heads up put on pretty clothes put on some lipstick i don't know do your hair i don't know put on your heels in the house i don't know dance do it whatever it is that makes your soul happy until we see you guys again it is peace and love <laughs>